Philip, ever since I was a kid, I've had uh, this feeling that I was living in two worlds at the same time. Two worlds that are you know, just kind of side by side, but very different, you know? Yeah. It's uh, starting to get a little confusing. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope that you enjoyed our relatively short conversation about Lost and Found uh, last week. Uh, we're, I mean, I don't know. Are we going to have um, a similar length conversation about this segment? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. It's a little longer. I don't know what was really here, Terry. I, I, I guess I'm tipping my hand. I do apologize to you and the audience. Um, it's, been a, it's been a weird stretch of, of segments for the show. Indeed, it has been. In, um, indubitably. I, I say that with a, <laughs> I have a mustache now. As I curl it. my mustache. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I think there's something here to talk about. I don't know how in-depth we have to go with it, but, yeah. you know, it is going to be a segment worth discussing, nonetheless. Sure. All right. So, sure. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just missing it. I'm like, bah, whatever. So, all right. Yeah. Welcome to Strange Highways, everybody. It's the anthology-based podcast where we've been talking about the Twilight Zone, covered the original series, uh, covered uh, what was on Paramount Plus, the Jordan Peele uh, episodes, uh, and now we're into the 80s. Uh, season two, episode four, segment C. Uh, as I mentioned last week, this is... This would be the last uh, full hour-long uh, episode um, as per scheduled with the Twilight Zone in the 80s on CBS. It would then be cut down to uh, episodes that were a half hour in length, though they would air uh, an hour's like, block worth of episodes. Like So sometimes we'd have them airing the same night, but this was the last time that this was specifically set up to be an hour-long episode. So I think that's of worth that shows you how much uh, faith CBS did not have in the series at that point. And, you know, um, considering how the back half of season one kind of ended and the way we're starting up with this one, I could kind of see how CBS is like, I don't know, maybe not, maybe not. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, I, there seemed to have been a quite a wind to change when it came into the eighties programming and that, yeah. um, <laughs> there was a lot of weird shit that was on TV in the eighties. So, I yeah, mean, I mean, that was, that was the, the same decade that, uh, birthed, uh, Knight Rider and Manimal. So that's fair. Uh, so, um, <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, though, it's like I'm sure it might not, not even if these stories were a little off kilter, it was probably the budget. That, that seems to be the big thing that kills the show every time is that there is a passionate fan base, but it doesn't seem to ever outpace the budget that's spent on them. That's the vibe I'm getting. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what, uh, you know, um, deep six to the original series eventually, right? Because of all the cuts. 
And then I'm going to guess that CBS and sorry, Paramount made a cost benefit analysis about the most recent iteration. And then even the one season that the, the aloof season, this one was at the CW or wherever it is with uh, Forrest Whitaker that we'll get to at some point. I'm sure that really wasn't a moneymaker either, you know, but that doesn't mean that this isn't worth getting into. Um, it's just, we, you know, it's just as much as we all love the twilight zone, it's just one of those things. It's like, why can't people love it more? Cause it seems like it's in the zeitgeist, right? Um, yeah, it doesn't seem to want to leave either. I mean, you talked about the Jordan Peele, Peele uh, version of it. It's like uh, st- some people still want this kind of storytelling. So I, yeah, you know, it's a, I mean, clearly like it Black, flourishes yeah. in one way or another. And like Black Mirror has been around like, you know, like a few years now. And I know that's a little different. Exactly. Yeah, different thing. And there's other anthology shows like, I mean, anthology existed before the Twilight Zone. Absolutely. Uh, but it's the, the term Twilight Zone is like in the lexicon for always being like things. Things are off kilter. Things aren't right. Right. Yeah. Like it's so like you even think- love death and robots. Like they yes. do their own little version of like kind of what would be the twilight zone universe as well. Yeah. And if people have not like uh, that quick aside, if people have not watched those, uh, those three seasons of love, death and robots, go watch them. They're so much fun. Uh, there, I mean, there, there is uh, some heartbreakers and it's just, please just, like if you have Netflix, go watch them. They're, they're a lot of fun. Um, so anyway, um, yeah. Look at me dragging my feet, wanting to get into uh, season two, episode four, segment C, The World Next Door. Um, yeah, let's get into who did what here. All right, so our cast is uh, started off by our director here. Uh, we got Paul Lynch. He's coming back for another episode. This is one of nine episodes, but we had just more recently talked about him during um, Storyteller. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the segments that we had talked about. And we have a few more to come um, in the future here. So we'll get to those at some point, but, uh, I think we've talked at, about him at length. Yes. I don't know how much more we want to say. I mean, so this, we'll this is the fifth letter. time we spoke of them. So go back and find one of those segments. But yeah, we just talked about, uh, Bud Bundy, the storyteller. Yeah. Right. So uh, a writer on this is somebody that's new to all of our discussions, uh, Ian O'Conn. Um, so, uh, worked on, a lot of stuff with uh, Sherry Lewis, um, you know, Lamb Chop, you know. Like, well, I think they're like, the sibling. It was a big I, part of my yeah, my uh, growing I, up. I think they're related to Sherry Lewis, um, if I recall. But, yeah, continue, please. Yeah, so, like, there was a few different shows um, where, like, she, you know, did her thing. Like, I mean, she was a she was a, she was hell of a creator. Uh, I love Sherry Lewis, uh, a big part of my childhood. Um, you know, Lamb Chop will always be a fond memory of mine. Uh, growing up uh but yeah so and then otherwise uh 31 episodes of love boat yeah two different two two very different things well and also speaking of anthology i I, this has been a show that i've seen pop up in our notes like when we do our research and i've never really dug into it it's called insight uh 31 episodes of that as well so speaking of an anthology series and you want to talk about something completely different here I, i here's the here's the um like the tagline on IMDb, an American Roman Catholic religious themed anthology shedding light on the contemporary search for meaning, freedom, and love. That sounds cool. so engaging that I really want to watch it. No, not really. But um, like you Real could have done cool. all that, but I'm like, but also monsters. And I've been like, yes, I'm in. That's fine. But yeah. So, but there was also other anthologies. I, I, like you've probably heard the name of the show called love American style. 
That was a contemporary yeah. of the original Twilight Zone. Then um, we even talked about like we had like uh, what was it the the like what was it the Desi Lou Playhouse like in Playhouse ninety those were anthology shows but those were more like showcases but like insight and like love and American style these were like they were going a little different directions than just like having like you know these hour long like almost like uh, stage plays right so um, I don't think I'll be checking out insight but that's interesting that the this, this show ran for as long as it did and it was trying to do like a straight like like straight ahead like anthology of like searching for faith and meaning hmm. yeah and I will correct my notes here uh, I did screw up on uh, our writer's name yeah it's Lan it's not Ian yeah, it's, it's Lan Lan O'Con. Lan yeah and he is the oh, I'm sorry she is sister-in-law of uh, Oh no! I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. It, no, it's it is it is a gentleman. I'm reading the notes incorrectly here. I'm sorry. Um, her, his sister-in-law was Sherry Lewis. Yeah. So yeah, Lando Coon. Uh, yeah, yeah, we so. make we make mistakes here, so we're not perfect. What? Come on! I think we're there's well, never you're been, more perfect than I am. My friend. Bullshit. Uh, we've but also <laughs> to be fair, we've never made a mistake ever on the show. Which, uh, by the way, we'll get to when we get to the social media part. Sometimes I, it's real time. We have to figure it out. Yeah. No. When we get to the the social media part, I have uh, I have a comment that somebody did leave about the last episode. I'll get to. So I do have a mea culpa Ooh. there. So we'll get there. I'll tease that. Right. Someone listen to our, Some, our, our <laughs> someone listen to our episode. <laughs> Do you think? Uh, do you think what I do is a treat with someone? Do you think all I do is record these and then I print it out on like um I I well, sorry I put it on a CD and then I put that CD in an AM FM like CD player like radio and then record it on a cassette and then take that cassette and then throw it in the garbage like what do you think I do with these like. <laughs> somebody's like sifting through the trash and like ah I will listen to this no I just I use like those bank tubes like the pneumatic tubes and and I just like send them out to like like people let me know and it's like boom 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 so yeah I think it's just somebody from the FBI listening to us and they're like "Uh, I need to call these guys out on like yeah, I know they're not talking about porn or anything like that, but no, uh, they're facts. But, but, no, but it's like no, they're they're domestic terrorists, like in the way of like they bore people to death, like, you know, <laughs> and that's a threat at home. So, oh. so yeah, I, we do have some feedback here in a little bit. So, we'll, well, I'll, t- I'll tease that. So, I like I said, I have a mea culpa there. So, anyway, let's get into we're, our we're cast trying, here. We're trying our best, this guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, into our cast we go. We have George Rent here. Um, we, we've kind of briefly talked about him in the past in yeah. some way. Um, but he, he plays Barney Schlesinger. Schlesinger, yeah. Schlesinger, yeah. Um, yeah, he. Uh, most people would know him from Cheers. Yeah. Yes. I mean, uh, one of the staples from Cheers. Yeah, Norm, right? Like, so uh, do you, yeah. like, I have, I have some other notes for him, right? So uh, George Well, Wayne, I will also yeah. mention that he was in, he was in Fletch. And then uh, the thing that is most notable from my viewing is um, House, because uh, I'm the horror film guy. Uh, he was in House, incredible horror film, if anybody wants to check it out. Yeah. So uh, he was an alumni of the Second City, which was an acting comedy troupe in, uh, I think, Chicago, right? There's a couple different of the like, Second Cities. I know there's one in Toronto, but it's like it's, it's kind of the, there's a lot of SNL and, um, you know, uh, SCTV people Alum. that come up. Yeah, come yeah, right. So uh so he discovered shortly after going to college, a viewing had inspired him to join on his first day of employment. He showed up promptly at eleven thirty AM as like it was instructed. The woman working there handed him a broom and said, Welcome to the theater kid. And then his first job in show business was sweeping the floors. I love that. So yeah, so this was located in Chicago. Was also where he'd meet his future wife, uh Bernadette uh, Burkett, 
who we're going to talk about here in a second, uh, who played Cliff's Halloween date in the third season of Cheers and would later go on in the series and played the voice of Norm's never-seen wife, Vera. Um, so you always remember, you always hear her talking like you never saw her or one time you saw her sit on the steps outside the bar. Cause since the bar was like sub level right from the street, you right. saw, you just saw a pair like, like a skirt and like, like legs and heels. You never saw, sorry, Vera, you never saw her. Um, so then in 1988, he played the, the part of Witten and the New Zealand made film, never say die, which I, you know. Sure. But in the 1990s, I, this is what I meant to get to. Um, he made cameo appearances in several episodes of SNL as Bob Swirsky, one of the Chicago super fans, along with uh, Chris Farley, Mike Myers, Robert Schmeigel, and one-time host Joe, Joe Manganiello. Uh, Joe Montagna, sorry. that Joe Man- Montagna. You know the super fans, right? Dub Bears. You know that, that yeah, SNL yeah, skit, yeah. right? Yeah. Chris uh, Farley. Yes, yeah. all of them. Yeah. So he, he would show up sometimes on that. Uh, in 2006, this will tie into something we talked about previously. He was in a mash of horror episode called Family, directed by John Landis. That's pretty cool. Um, and in 2023, uh, uh, the year of our Lord now, this year, uh, went competed in uh, season nine of The Masked Singer as the Moose, where he was mostly sitting during the performance. Uh, fair enough. He was eliminated on 80s night alongside another person. Who cares? But I like that he was in the Mass Singer 2023 and he mostly sat down in his overly large suit that was probably sweaty as you know AF, as the kids say. Yeah. I, I can't believe that he would have done something like that. He's he's up there. I love George Wendt, though. Like, yeah, but he's getting up there. Also, at one point, somebody asked, like, if people identify you as Norm and want to buy you a beer, like, how do you react to that? And he just put thumbs up. He's like, fine by me. Like, seems like a really nice guy. I, he, he I really love George does Wendt. seem like a gentle yeah. man. Yeah. Like a guy that... Really, like you can kick it with, yeah. So you know, have beers at the at the Cheers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. He, he does a lot of conventions still too, and he will be coming to one here in Ohio area in Cincinnati uh, at Horror Hound. So I'm I'm looking forward to possibly meeting him. And are you going to be like, um, dude? Can I talk to you about uh, the world next door? And then he'll just like he'll just um have one of his handlers just throw you outside, like <laughs> he'll just drag you out. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, no way. I'm going to be like, were you actually passed out on that couch in, in house? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like, love house. I'll I mean, be like, dude, do you have the mouse mouse missile here with you right now? Uh, no. Uh, so, so yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the next person I have in the list here would be his wife. Um, you know, uh, Bernadette, uh, uh, Burkett, um, who, which unfortunately she plays Katie Schlesinger in this. She was an amazing story. She was arrested development, like some TV stuff, but I don't really have, like, I don't really have much on her. Yeah. She was in, uh, heartbreakers. The, um, it, it's a, uh, Jennifer, Jennifer love Hewitt. Um, and, um Sigourney Weaver yes. film. It's a, it's a comedy. It's kind of a dark comedy. If you, if you really boil it down. Um, but yeah, it, she was also in Mr. Uh, Mr. Mom. So, which we oh, will talk about another Mr. I, Mom, uh, connection here to do okay good because that's a film i need to, to watch again because i remember as a kid that thing cracked me I, up yeah i i love mr mom um which we actually we have mentioned mr mom more recently too so all right there we go so who else do we have but yeah yeah uh we have a uh, jeffrey uh tambor. Tambor. tambor yeah yeah tambor uh tambor, he plays yeah. milton yeah 
one other episode that we've actually discussed already of the Twilight Zone, a dead man, a dead woman's shoes. Yeah, which we did like that segment. It wasn't our favorite, but we liked that update of the original series. Yeah, yeah. and so, uh, this dude has been in so much stuff, so I'm not sure if we uh, really mentioned more of his oh, filmography. I think we did. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, just so, the, but, the yeah, only Mr. reason. Mom, he was yeah. <laughs> I like him as a performer. It's just that he's gotten um, problematic the more we learned about his temper on set with things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's unfortunate because, like, he was in Arrested Development. He was, like, the senior Bluth. Um, and, like, his character is hilarious in that. He also plays his twin brother in that as well. Uh, he he's, has a voice role in Archer. Like, it's just Jeffrey Tambor has been in plenty of things that I yeah. enjoy. But then learning that he's kind of a piece of shit, kind of, like, it's frustrating, right? Because it's like you everybody draws their lines about what what media they'll engage with and what personalities and persons they choose to not engage with i can't judge right. that right it's just it's one of those things that does add a little bit of sour right to like it's just like man like i want to like him way more than i than he has shown himself to be if that makes sense yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot that he's participated in yeah. too. Uh, it does a lot of, uh, voice work as well, but oh, for sure. yeah, we'll yeah. move on here. Um, we have Tom Finnegan as Steve. Uh, he was in another episode of twilight zone that we've discussed, uh, grace note. Um, yeah, he was the cab driver, the all important cab driver in that episode. Yeah. yeah that segment. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll move on since we've already talked about him. Uh, Victoria Bass, uh, she's Lucille in this, uh, small roles in, the bodyguard and the specialist, um, you know, that, that is a, uh, that's a film. <laughs> is that the specialist? That's, um, Stallone and Banderas, right? Or no, that's assassins. Um, yeah, th- no, it's the other one where he like, likes to wield guns. Uh, it, it's, um, the one with James Woods, <laughs> Oh, okay, <laughs> another problematic will. person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, American hero, James Woods. Uh, anyway, so yeah, continuing yeah. on here. Uh, uh what it, how would you pronounce this name? Uh, yeah. I think it's Dina uh, Laney. Dina, Dina, yeah. So uh, she plays uh, Francine. But she was in Puppet Masters, uh, which I would like to discuss with you at some point or another. Um, the the Donald Sutherland. Um, oh, the, 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 uh, the actual film. the Puppet Masters. Okay, I was like not Puppet Master, which I don't want to talk about here on the show. Right, okay. like plural. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was so, kind of so, yeah, it was I, kind I, of I, like I, another update on the Body Snatchers. Yeah. Yeah, about. I, we may not discuss it on here, but I would like to discuss it with you at some point. Okay, but that's yeah, fine. and then lots of episodes of ER. Yeah, but the next one here, um, I, the only real credit I want to bring up is uh, um, so it's John Menick uh, plays the butler, which <laughs> no one can remember his name. Uh, but he, he, <laughs> one of the better the jokes in the segment. There's not like that was the one joke I appreciated. But continue, please. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he was in a movie called Bad Dreams. I think we might have talked about oh, it. In, so I was actually like, briefly. I, I saw that and I was I wasn't gonna mention it because I didn't want to so uh over on the other show that I do, Invasion of the Podcast, we have um there is our website that blow the dust off, but I we did a thing a few years ago called Year of the Knockoff. And um one of the films I watched was called Bad Dreams that was chasing there was the Nightmare on Elm Street thing going on, right? So that right. film Literally has no dreams in it, um, but the girl who was the drug addict in Dream Warriors, I forget her name, she's one of the main characters in Bad Dreams. 
Yes, uh, she, she will actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll look up her, uh, yeah, yeah. her name here in a second. But and yeah, then also the gentleman side. that's the the main bad guy in the film. Oh, what's his name? He is a very recognizable character. He, actor. Well, the, the lead actor is from um, Reanimator. Um. Okay. Uh, let me look this up. Uh, let me see here. Checking. 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 Uh, processing. Everybody. Um, uh, Richard Lynch is what I was going to mention. Who was like the main bad guy. In this, um, his character, the the start of the film is like a, basically imagine like a Marilyn Manson type of cult that the, the like the um, like something happens where things turn sideways in like the '60s and so and like and they're they decide that they're going to just burn the house down with all the followers and so he is like the cult leader decides to set fire to everybody, which is like it's it's a very upsetting beginning of the film, but then to know when you look at Richard Lynch. He's actually been, he was almost burned alive at one point in his life. That's why his skin looks the way it does because it's like 90% scar tissue. And the fact that he mm. played a character that um, willingly, like, that, like he was an actor in a movie where the main character set himself on fire is really messed up, right? So, um, but yeah, anyway, uh, there's also one of the most horrific, um, purposeful somebody. Uh, took like a, you know, you remember those big like Rambo survival knives in the eighties that had like the little twist off top where it was like the compass and you could like pull that up. But I, I had, I had one, you yeah. know what I'm talking about though, right? One of those big, yeah, big I, honking knives. Yeah. yeah it was, it was yeah. like serrated on one side. Yeah. yeah and it, it had like fishing line and a <sighs> compass. Yeah. Yeah. There's a definitely a bit where some person hold, puts that, like puts the hilt on this table blade up and they take their other hand and to shove it down on the knife. It is, Clearly, it's a practical effect. It is one of the most like gut twisting moments. Not a great movie, but there's bits and pieces here that you're like, nah, I'm good. So anyway. yeah, I like I like talking about genre stuff. But yeah, Bruce Abbott is the guy I was thinking of that was in uh, he was in um, Reanimator. Okay. Then oh, he Jennifer was the he was the, co- the 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 coworker. And Dr. Alex yeah. Carmen. Yeah. But then Jennifer Rubin was the one I was talking about that. She's the lead yeah. in this. She was the one that was the young lady that was the drug addict and dream warriors. But yeah, bad dreams. You know, everybody watch it once and realize it's not great, but there's some visuals there that are worthy of watching. So yes, which uh, again, uh, if anybody's uh, around the Cleveland area, uh, cinema wasteland, uh, we are not a sponsor, but we, we do attend it often. Um, Jennifer Rubin will be at the next April edition of uh cinema wasteland i'm gonna ask her like what was bad dreams like she'll be like what's a bad dream man i'm like yeah i agree anyway so yeah yeah it's it sounds interesting but i've seen it on um the more recent uh um documentary of what is it called um in search of darkness darkness yeah yeah it was on one of the episodes or one of the you know segments all right well fair enough like i Uh, right. you know, sometimes you weed through these things and it's like some are not good and some are okay. Yeah, no, but bad dreams is, um, an interesting film to say at least, but yeah, on the, on the, um, invasion of the podcast.com, like you guys like go back and find my badly worded, uh, review of that film. Cause none of my, none of the things I, you know, I, I, I can't write good words. So, but yeah, anyway, bad dreams, it, it's a thing. So. Yeah, we, yeah. we should move on. So, but yeah, that's it for cast. So, All right. oh yeah, I have um, I have our friend, uh, Mister uh, Aidman. Here, here we go. For most of us, our heart's desire seems to lie behind a bolted door. 
But what if the lives we find so familiar were someone else's dream come true? Perhaps for all of us, somewhere is a hidden door into the Twilight Zone. What if, like, you just imagine somebody, like, just taking a pee in the background during that intro? Let me hear. Let's listen to that again. What if you hear? For most of us, our heart's uh, desire seems to lie behind a bolted door. Uh, but what if the lives we find so familiar were someone oh, else's no. dream come true? Perhaps for all uh, of us, somewhere right. is a hidden door in... Anyway, sorry. <laughs> and you're just hearing Journey in the background, too, like... <laughs> Clanking of, yeah. uh, of 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 plates and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, we've been there. We know what's up. Yeah, we know. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> and again, oh. Mr. Aidman, I I, I kind of I, I feel you a little bit more in this this kind of interpretation of what you think is going on here, but like it's still a little, yeah, not good. I just, um, I just, I don't if there's know, a I, door and then beyond the your door, heart desire is always door. locked behind like a door. I'm like, I don't know. That sounds kind of criminal to me. I don't know. Like what's your heart's desire? I, you know, what would it be like just to eat another person? That's no, 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 no. That's bad right. news versus like, what's just your heart- like, all of a sudden there's like, what's your pleasure, sir? Yeah. And then I was like, what? <laughs> but like, what's your heart desire? You know what? I just want to get into like painting. Well, there's a locked door here. Like, no, no. Like, can I just paint? Can I just create can a I mouse use missile? a little missile to open said door? <laughs> Yeah, anyway, follow your dreams as long as it's not involving cannibalism. Don't do that. Um, eat spam. It's fine. So, um, <laughs> it's similar. I, in taste. I mean, it is, it's, you know, um, less salty. Uh, so, um, I don't know, man. Like, the only, like, man, I, this isn't, this isn't the worst segment, but it's like nothing happens. Like, there's no conflict, right? Like, there's no, aside from Barney, the bar, like, so we, like, we start this off. There's like somebody like there's a butler opening these like curtains, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, he's like, you know, like, you know, sir, sir, like Mr. Schlesinger, wake up. And then we get, we see George went with this big, like, you know, awesome mustache and he wakes up, but then it cuts to, um, the rain that we hear, AKA me taking a pee, uh, where the other Barney that we now know that doesn't have a mustache that I will now refer to as our Barney wakes up at 6am because he somehow made one of those hula girl lamps into like um, either a talking alarm clock or an Alexa. We don't know. Like, you know, it's just, we don't know his acumen as an inventor, right? Like he's almost the same thing. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think the better way to talk about this is that there are two, there are two lifestyles. There, there, there's like a weird segmented part of who Barney is as as a, like who he wants to be and who he is in real life. Because like if we really describe this like word for word, I don't. I think we might confuse our um, well, so listeners. Well, what that it much comes more. down to is that like Barney is like he is connected to the other Barney. That um, spoilers. Watch the segment. It, it's perfectly okay. Like, watch it for George Went. Right there's actually some decent. There's a couple jokes in there that work for me in this. His performance is great. Yeah, watch he, it for he, that. He actually he sells it better than what the episode and, and, and like the storyline sells. And even a little bit of Jeff, Jeffrey Tambor when we get to like the other side of the, like yeah. they, 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 there's some there's some legitimately like funny b- bits in this, right? Like I like, like I, I honestly mean that. A mamushka? But, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so the, like what, what we find out the story is is that Barney has these dreams where he sees himself living in another life where he is the successful inventor and has like accolades 
but he wakes up like being like an everyman, like going to work, but he's like a tinkerer. He's not, um, what's, what's the name of, um, Peltzer, right? The name of the father in gremlins, the, the last right. name, basically he's that guy that keeps like creating right. like the smokeless ashtray or whatever it is, like all the stuff that's like, <laughs> like you can tell that like the will is there, but like, it's just, he's like, he's a man out of time. Like he probably, his, his thinking would have been more successful, like 70, 80 years ago, even maybe before that. And so the parallel track is that he has these dreams of this other side. Uh, he's in an unhappy marriage that he's trying to make his wife happy, who I like for as much as he has this basement full of clutter of inventions. She's pissed at him for not cleaning the basement, but then her, the upstairs kitchen is um it's a murder scene but for plants like every every plant is dead and she's like i might have been born a black thumb but it's like wait a second your passion is killing plants and you're gonna judge him for coming up with like half-assed inventions i don't know that's like the pot kill, calling the kettle black there right like th- anyway well and, and like nothing is thriving in this house like <laughs> no. not even the two of them because it's like they're also keeping the lights off. What's going on in these scenes? Well, it, it, why, why doesn't anybody want to turn on the lights? It was 6 a.m. I don't know. It was dreary out. Maybe, you know, that's fair, right? I, dr- well, but they're cooking, like she's cooking breakfast and everything. It's like, turn the lights okay. on. Br- brief aside, Terry, are you, are you like when, when it's dark out, do you, do you have to have all the lights on in your place or no? Like where are you at in terms of nighttime? If I'm trying night? to be active, yes. If you're trying, because otherwise like, wait, I'm going to start winding down. <laughs> what What are you like a parakeet? Someone's going to put a blanket over your head. And you're like, I guess it's time to go to sleep now. Like what's like, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know about value, but it's like when, like, like, especially with the time change that happened recently, which has been messing me up. Uh, it just, I hate that where it's like, Oh, cool. We get to sleep room for an hour. Yeah. It's nighttime forever now. Deal with it. Like I just, I can't, you know, that's a bit much, right? It's like, it's five. I'm done with the work. Oh, I can go to sleep now because it's dark out. It's shadow time. But um, like I want my nighttime to be darker. Uh, my wife, who I do love, uh, if if she had the ability to make the entire house just become like a ball of fire, like lightwise at nighttime, that's what, what she would want. So I didn't really think about it being that dark. I was more like, I'm fine with this. But yeah, if you're actually cooking breakfast and making food, a little bit of yeah. light's appropriate. I agree with that. You want to see where that bacon splatter goes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> if you're cooking it in a nude or something, you know? <laughs> well, then do you keep the lights off if you're cooking in the nude? I think you would, right? Maybe, right? Anyway, that is uh, just, yeah. it, just if it. Yeah, yeah, just certain things. <laughs> microwave. <laughs> microwave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, anyway, so like he like he's this type of guy that is like he spends all night inventing and he made like a mechanical flower which you know Lottie goddamn da. Congratulations. I oh, I'm well, sorry like just no, but I th- I thought that was really wonderful. Like I thought there was a very sweet note to all of this. No, but he was he made a mechanical orchid that you could wind up and wind down, meaning it would bloom, it would blossom or not, because he knows his wife's a black thumb. So he's trying to be like, hey, you know what? You kill all these flowers. Let me give you one that you can make bloom when you want. I do appreciate that, but I'm just saying, like, yeah. you know, for like you know, 1986, um, I think we've passed the, passed by that as a technology. Maybe I don't know. Anyway, so she. Well, we had dancing flowers. I, like oh, in thank the you early for bringing 90s. that up. Thank no, no, thank you for bringing that up because, um, <laughs> like my wife had one of those on her dashboard, and it's like the little dancing flower. Yeah. And I, like I'm just like, come on, that we do need to do this anyway. So yes, um, 
but we get that his intense, he had his heart's in the right place, but he's also like, like he's, um, he just can't stop creating. That's his, that's what he wants to do. And she's very, um, like, you know, frustrated that like he is hyper-focused on what he wants to do, but doesn't think about cleaning up after himself in terms of his clutter in the basement, whatever. I don't think she has any room to judge because the whole like, you know, kitchen is like, you know, where plants go to die, whatever, neither here nor there. So like he goes off to work on the, on the train ride. That's where we meet, um, uh, Jeffrey Tambor's character. That's his, his business partner. No, um, Milton, right? And like they're talking back and forth, and that's whenever he's like, Yeah, like Milton's like, I, you know, I think you have like your ideas have merit, and that's when we talk about the mouse missile, which I that's one of the, the the bits I appreciate where it's like it did its job, but it just blew apart mice as opposed to like a nice clean trap, which I'm like, I'm kind yeah. of about that. That's fine, you know, like, um, yeah, well, that could be a real problem, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, as like fragments of like flesh. Yeah. Like all over your kitchen or whatever. As we will like, find out later how powerful the mouse missile is here in a moment, right? So, but then, I lo- yeah. <laughs> we will find out about this big time because I've wanted to discuss the mouse missile. <laughs> yeah. That's my, like, that, that's my second favorite part of this episode. Like, uh, yeah, because it's <laughs> like, like, like I thought that was a one off, like, t- like, piece of like talking. And I'm like, you actually, like, this episode does, like, it has, it has an ending. Don't get me wrong. But it's like there's no conflict, but she paid off the goddamn mouse missile. So I'll give you credit where credit's due, right? So I'll say that. So then we get this brief bit since he's on the train, and then he looks out the window, and you see like him glimpsing this other world of where he sees himself, the other him with the mustache, like lounging on this like passenger car that you get the idea. Whatever parallel world this is, it's it's almost, um, it, I want to say it's like, set in the past, but it's not because it's the present of that world. But technology is and technology and um, society is at a different, it branched off differently. Like I'm not saying it's steampunk because it's not steampunk, but it is almost adjacent to that in terms of like technology, right? That's the vibe I kind of get. Or even his friend um, Milton, as he says to him in one of the quotes is just out of step, a man with bad timing. Yeah. Like that was like one of the things it's like, and I, I think that's kind of a really like supportive message to a friend because I, I can't, I can't imagine a friend telling you all this stuff and being like, I just don't feel right, man. Like, but how do you support your friends? Like, well, you, you, you like, hold on a second. You know, like you might just be out of step right now. Like that. I think that's a really supportive message. Oh, for sure. Like I get that. So then we get that. Like Milton's point. a good friend. Yeah, and then then some on the other side. Like I, I don't know if you picked up the implication there, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> credit, credit <laughs> to the progressive views of this episode. We'll get to that in a second. But then you know we have that brief flash of the other side, and then we get to um, like when when um, was it um, that we have um, oh what's his name? I keep wanting to say um, Norm, but it's not Norm. Barney. Same thing. Barney. Uh, he goes home again, and uh, he worked. He was at home. He was at work late. And his wife is like upset. The light, him the lights again. are still out. Yeah. <laughs> Did they pay their bills? Like, what is going on now? Or maybe he, he hasn't invented the light bulb yet in the house. We don't know. Uh, okay. So, um, so she's like, you know, here's the ultimatum: like, clean the basement, um, or you're not spending time in my bed. And I like. He's like, oh, he's like, what a decision. Which I thought that was funny. It's like, oh, either like I don't finish cleaning this, or I could like I could get that done and still have my wife mad at me, <laughs> which I thought. Credit to George Wayne. Like the night before, remember, um, he was sleeping at his uh, his workshop table. Yeah. 
again. So, so like he's already there anyway. Right. So then as he's cleaning things up, uh, he finds his mouse missile. So please, I know you want to talk about the mouse missile. Talk about it's that. Like, it, dude, it's like a little blue tank. <laughs> no, it looks like it looks like a GI Joe like uh, like it, accessory with that rocket on the back of it. Yeah. Oh, it looks, dude. Like if you're like a ten year old kid, you're asking for this for Christmas. It's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I want this to, you know, destroy everything, ex- including mice. You know, like I would so, expect that to be one of the toys that the kid asked for in the Uncle Devil show. Right to get like the oh yeah yeah missile. yeah it's like it's snakes and uh, snakes and rats are my friends but mice <laughs> taking them out but then he like you know then that one he would have shot the mouse missile at the wall causing that collapse into the candy land with the two sons yeah that would have been amazing anyway so yeah but yeah like what are the what are the like he's like oh mouse missile like oh hi friend and then at one point he just think like, he just triggers it and it well before he triggers it he hears. He's hearing- yeah, like yeah, partying, he's com- partying, like, yeah, yeah, conversation through the wall, right? Yeah, in uh, a very in like a very distinct corner of his workshop area, and it's like while he's kind of compiling all this stuff to clean his area, he's got the mouse missile thing right on top, and he accidentally sets the thing off and fires a projectile at the <laughs> at the corner of the room. Which there is a pretty loud explosion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like his wife is already pissed off as it is. Wouldn't you have expected her to come down and be like, what are you doing? Yeah. What? Yeah. I expected <laughs> what are you her. Doing, yeah. Party? yeah. It was pretty significant. Um, yeah. It's like, you think that she's already mad I about it in the other room. Uh, like my <laughs> wife is like, what are you doing over there? Yeah. I'm right. trying to sleep. <laughs> You're like, I'm just firing off the mouse missile. Like, it's no, like, my wife isn't quite like that. So, no. <laughs> no, I know your wife and I love her to death. I don't think she'd be like that, but I like the idea that she'd be like, Ugh! and just come like, just like marching <laughs> just in, stopping with, in with like, no. with like a frying pan in hand just to knock you out. Like, you know, uh, yeah, that's what you get for making noise. Now, like I'm going to knock you out. And if you don't wake up for your concussion, you clean this off like, your basement. You can't come to bed, but yeah, um, he finds a door. Behind the rubble, with a slide lock, he opens it up and, and walks into door. like. <laughs> go ahead. Well, I was like, but there's like another door. I was like, I what is this like? Um, oh yeah, he opens Alice he, in Wonderland shit. Yeah, like, he pulls the handle. It's a door handle. Turns the knob and finds the slide lock. It's like what? Is, no, it is just like the like you could book two hotel rooms side by side where you got the the doors there. Yeah, but um. Yeah, that's actually. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's yeah. a really interesting point because I was just in a hotel and I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So then he opens that door and finds like a wine cellar and he goes wandering in. I don't blame him, right? Free wine. But then he passes through like whatever the veil. He is now dressed in like old timey clothes, like a frilled shirt. He has the big honking mustache and, and everybody like, and then he's like, Oh, look at me. I'm basically, he has that moment of like, you can tell he's like, this is my dream. This is what I've been dreaming about. But then he hears the people that are upstairs from the, the cellar being like, come on, Barney, like get the wine and come up. And he's like, all right, I got I guess I'm going to do this. And then he, he encounters this whole situation where there's like a small party going on. There's two other women and his partner, uh, with Mitchell, right? That's his name. Um, that yeah, they're cel- Milton. Milton, sorry, Milton. They're celebrating their success of some type of new formula. Sorry, gasoline. Sorry, fuel called something. Was it Trimaline Three or some shit? Whatever. I don't know. Anyway, um, but like they are 
these eventers, well, he's an eventer extraordinaire, his business partner, they know how to capitalize, they've made the paper, and it's like this like wonderful, like um, like like late um, you know, 1800s, early 1900s, like like um excess, right? It's a very um fancy looking living room. They're all dressed like fancy people, and they're celebrating his success as this renowned inventor. Yeah, and and uh, the 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 two women are cooing over how how brilliant Barney is and how extravagant like his lifestyle has been since he's been an inventor too. It's like he, the dude has it made. Like he, he is like he I mean he's like the guy at this point. Yeah. And I like that like um as uh was it uh Milton like says can we dance? And then they have this like very like Russian looking like male dance like the two of them like slapping hands and just like dancing around each other. <laughs> It's, it's really funny, but I like that the two women are talking and the one girl, um, she's like, Oh, like, you know, I would love to dance, but though no, she's like, I, I was like, I, sometimes I wish I wasn't born a woman so I could dance. And then it's like, and then the other one's like, Oh, we're much too fragile for that. <laughs> and you see, yeah, that they're, they're strong legs. But you see, Men have yeah, strong but like, legs. Of, but of the two, you see George Witt and Jeffrey Tambor. Come on, like they're the ones that they're the, the epitome of strength and bones dancing. But then there's this weird societal thing where, like, the one also asks the other, "It's like, oh, when are you going to make an honest man of him?" And it's like, so you get this weird idea that almost like the women are like the the pivotal point in society, right? They're the decision makers in terms of like, like you know, marriage and like just. It, it fl- like there's a brief thing of like there's something more there in that society that's not being spoken to that makes everything a little like oh it is different right I don't know if you picked up on that though I think that was the vibe of like they're the ones that get to make the decision of who they marry not the other way around yeah it seemed that way because of the conversation yeah. but it's like that that made me question if this is like a parallel um because of time or, or something else. Well, I mean, I think it's a parallel, like one-to-one meaning like this is going on at the same time as our Barney's timeline. It's just a different universe, right? It's a different, mm. it's a, like, like, Oh yeah. It's like, it's a different, it's a different timeline. It's a different spider verse. It's a spider verse. It's a different multiverse. It's the Barney verse. Uh, so, but I also like that the one lady's like, yeah, like whenever I'm with him, he always seems like he's a little distant. And then it's also implied. It's like, at first it's like, um, like they're talking like, well, does he have eyes on another woman? It's like, well, you know how men are. And then it cuts right back to him and, um, you know, uh, they're dancing. Milton is dancing with him. And you're like, it's also implied that maybe, maybe Barney is like soft on Milton, right? Sweet on him. Again, um, like this was like the mamushka thing though. Like <laughs> yeah, what I was talking about, yeah. the Adams family, like the, An- so if anybody's ever seen the Adams family movie, the mamushka is something that the two brothers do with each other. It's like, so now it's like, are they just because they feel so brotherly? Like, but again, this predates that movie, so I don't know. Well, but then because we get later on, whenever like the party clears out, when the the women say goodnight, um, before uh, Milton leaves, he's like, yeah, he's like, are you still? He's like, you are you okay? And then like Barney's like, yeah, it's like I'm not myself or whatever. I'm a little tired. And he's like, he's still having those dreams. And then Barney's taking it back, being like, what do you mean? Meaning. He knows about the dreams, but he's like, he was, he was weirded out that like this Milton's like asking him. Um, and then, so, but then he's like, yeah, he's like, but in those dreams, am I there? Am I, am I with you? And he's like, I can tell you that, you know, you're my best friend. He's like, well, that like, what is it? It's like, um, you know, 
like basically he's like, um, you know, that, that makes me delighted no matter what. It's like, you get the idea is like, yeah. And like, we're partners. Wink. Are we partners over there? He's like, I could say you're my best friend. <laughs> like it's, he immediately friend zones Milton, but Milton's okay with it. Right. Yeah. Um, it does feel that way. I mean, I think, I think there is a, a definitely a hint yeah. of that. No, the implication he's like, he's like, am I in those dreams? Am I still your partner? Right. So then it's just, there's a lot here that is like, I don't need it to be explored to the ends of the earth, but like it, it's opening a lot of different like boxes that never get closed. And I was right. hoping for some of them to be closed. Right. I was hoping for that conflict that like, um, because also whenever Milton's asking Barney about those dreams, he's like, yeah, it's like, he says something about like those dreams where you're like, basically like you're like, you know, living like a pedestrian life and not bothered by all the fame and fortune. And there's some kind of line of like, though, um, though interesting, it sounds like, was it terrifying or terrible or whatever he says about the dreams that the other Barney's been having about our Barney's life. Um, something to that effect. Right. Uh, but then everybody leaves and then, uh, the Butler asks like, may I be like, may I like, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, you're, I'm your intention servant. May I go away for a minute? And then Barney's like, yeah, right. Sure. I love that. Well, we, I, yeah, I, ahead, I, I, I do want to say that like being the opposite suitor here, uh, the chick that's interested in Barney, she does try to make a move here. Yeah, a she does. Bit. Yeah. And, but I think that's really interesting because of what unfolds in the next like five minutes of this. Yeah, that's um, fair. So then he dismisses the butler, but I love that there's that brief moment. He walks through like uh, the parlor and he picks up the drink and he kind of dances a little bit again. Like you can tell that he's like sewing his oats and feeling it. Right. And then he's like, Oh, I have to wake up. Cause he still thinks it's a dream, right? Like fair enough. It's all weird. Right. Um, but then there's a knock at the door uh, and it, it, it's it, it, the, the woman there is another Katie, not like it's, it's the Katie in this world, not the one he's married to her carriage is broken down and she's hoping to come in for a minute. He calls her by name and she's like, how do you, like, how do you know me? He's like, well, you look like a Katie. I'm like, you know, oh, if only the name was Karen, that would have been amazing. Uh, but whatever. No. Um, <laughs> uh, but then he, like, you could tell that like, like he's like this, like I, you honestly believe that. Barney loves Katie no matter what. Like you get the vibe like that. Like it's only if she appreciated him more and he could provide for her more. That's the vibe that you get with this, but they have this conversation, but then he asked for the Butler, which is like my favorite joke of the episode where he's like Jeeves Morgan Henry. And then the guy's like, I'll be downstairs in a minute. Like I love that he had to go through the typical, like I wish he would have said Alfred and had the guy show up. It'd have been amazing. But I love, that would have been hilarious. Like, but like point. the way the way George Wynn plays this of like the Jeebs, like when he said Jeebs, I was like, <laughs> like you could see the, the confusion in Barney's uh, like yeah, demeanor. The panic, it's like, like the panic I don't of think like... I don't think that's the right one, but I'm gonna say it anyways. I, like, it's a it's that, a funny bit. It's a, driving Miss Daisy, or yeah, like it's a legitimately funny bit. Like that, like in the way he plays, it's really funny, right? Like so. Um, but yeah, um, they, yeah, that actually like, that's when I actually had a chuckle during that. Yeah. And I was like, and nothing else. <laughs> There's another joke that I'll play at the end that it was probably really fast that if it was like, if you weren't paying attention, it, I think it's a pretty funny one off, but anyway, I'll play that at the end of the episode. So yeah, they have this little like, you know, fireside chat. I was expecting this to take a turn when she's like, how do you come up with these inventions? I was expecting her to be a spy. 
to like take mm. his his ideas and then ruin him here as much as she's kind of like held uh, him back. Charlie in a chocolate factory kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, she's like, my last name is Gloop. You know, just take everything, right? Like, you know. <laughs> Um, no, I was expecting a little bit more treachery to be like, be careful what you wish for type of thing. Nah, she's in it. And then he's like, Oh, let me give you a gift. And he goes running back to through the wine cellar back to his basement. And that's when we get that. We find out that like, like none of this makes any sense. He comes back to his basement, still dressed like, like he is in all the fancy stuff with the mustache. And we find that the, the Barney that was there and that, and that life is now cleaned up the basement, which by the way, it was like, what? Well, I mean, I guess time elapsed right it was a couple hours at best cleaned mm. up the whole basement katie's happy with him and she's like you know what? you could still invent and he's like okay and he's smoking a cigar and i love that the bit where he makes eye contact with our barney and he just waves him on for a second to go grab the mechanical flower and then leaves him be and it's like he's content to be like you know what i clean up this basement i'm tired of being famous um i have my bitch of a wife i'm good <laughs> like I don't understand it. I don't understand it. But then our Barney goes back and gives the other Katie. I I feel like this is like Coraline, other mother. That's what I feel like every time I say other. other you know what I'm talking right. about. Well, right? yep. Yeah. I mean that's kind of what it boils down like, to. And then like, other other Katie has buttons for Katie, eyes. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm kidding. Uh, so he answered the mechanical flower. She's like, oh, I have a George Schlesinger. Sorry, George. A George Witt original. No, uh, a Barney <laughs> Schlesinger original. And she's touched. And she's like, well, can I call upon you? Like, again, he's like, I think he's like, you know what, Katie, I'll be here like every night. So the whole thing is like the switcheroo happened. They're both happy. And that's the end of the episode. But up, but up. Calling upon somebody, too, is a, a male thing, too. So, like, but we understand okay, that like, like it's like kind dudes, of tipped the other way. So that that, that reassures yeah. that this is a like a different universe. It's yeah, it's like, completely it's a different society, about. right? So like there is hints of things here that I wish we could have explored more, especially in regards to the idea that these two guys were living lives that they were not comfortable with and they switched places. Fine. Fair enough, right? That's okay. That's a sweet little ending, right? But I wish there had been a little bit more conflict or at least a little bit more interaction between the two of them. You know what I mean? Like something where it's like they could suss it out like and figure amongst themselves where they could do like the parent trap thing, right? Like the whole like, oh, like are we in? We're in. It just kind of ends. Yeah, like I like my lifestyle more than you like yours. So or, why or not? Or like maybe through? like get cribs notes from each other of like, oh shit, like what's going to happen here? You know, like. Yeah, it's like my wife, my wife over there, she hates lights. Just letting you know, and you're like a inventor, don't turn on any lights. She's going to yell at you. Also, she hates plants. This, you know, but um, I, it just, it just kind of was there. The, I always joke about how some of this feels like the Hallmark version, Hallmark Channel version of the Twilight Zone. This is that, that. It's like, oh, that's nice. It's like, it just kind of just goes nowhere for me. That's all. That's very frustrating to me. I agree, and I, I, I don't think there's really much to grasp on here. Yeah, with um, as far as conversation, I just think that like the storyline is interesting, but I think it fails in its pre- presentation. So is uh, this, because I, I think yeah, go oh, ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say, is this a better version of the story than the parallel from season four of the original series? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's because you hate the parallel. <laughs> Well, yeah. the parallel sucks. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to change my hand on that one. Like that one sucks altogether. But like, 
this is a an idea that still kind of falters a little bit, but I think if we would have had a little bit more of what's going on with, you know, other uh, Barney, like that would like it would thicken it up. I maybe we could have expand expanded this a little bit more, and it would have made sense. Yeah, but the idea that this dude blows open a doorway in his basement doesn't track for the rest of the dream sequences and that. Yeah, it does. It's, the logic falls apart. It's just that there there's some goodwill with George Wendt. And then, like, a little bit of the writing. Jeffrey Tambor is, like, kind of... He's fun in this, too. Like, say what you want. Like, it's just... And there's a couple bits and pieces here, especially with, like, the conversation between the women in the parlor. Like, there's a couple jokes in here that still work for me. So, at least it wasn't a complete waste. But it was also kind of like, okay, I guess that's where we're at now. You know? So, like, I I don't know. Like, it's just kind of... Like, is this going to be... Like, when we get to the end of the season in our review, this is not going to be in the top or bottom... I don't even know if it's going to be a missed opportunity. It's just kind of, it's just kind of there. I guess we'll see what happens next, right? It's, it's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of like there as well. I, it, it feels like a almost like a like the parallel, and then the incredible world of Horace Ford kind of combined yeah, together. I mean, a little bit of the escapism and the creativity, right? Except like right. this is way less annoying than the incredible world of Horace Ford. Um, and thank God. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> but I was I was getting hints of that during. Oh, but all the this but the lead in that and and George went. Um, oh, what's his, the lead in that was uh, Commissioner Gordon, not Commissioner Gordon. Um, yeah, I can look it up. Hold on. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I mean, it was it was an interesting discussion that we had, but it wasn't like. It wasn't great. Uh, Pat Hinkle. Um, yeah, I think that Pat Hinkle and George Went could be flipped in terms of like sometimes. I think because Pat Hinkle is actually a very approachable character actor. Um, I think George Went is a much, much better comedic actor. But I could easily like thank you for pointing that out because I think that's a good call. I think that you still get some of that, at least in, as much as the Incredible War Horse Ford's annoying. Um, you know, he does try to bring a sweetness to it, but it's very grating. But like you almost wonder if they did an update of that with George Went, if that would not have gone better, you know? Right. Yeah. But yeah, that's all the all the different little yeah. nuances that I was feeling here while watching this, and I, I hate to keep on trying to bring that up, but it's like sometimes I think that there are writers involved with this that they they see the original episodes and they're like, oh, we can do something with that original story. And that might be what we're left with here maybe and i I can't feel any more than that but it's an interesting uh segment but it's okay enough it's It's very forgettable because it doesn't go anywhere it's just it's like oh you guys switch places nice nice is nice i'm not saying that there's a a bit of flaws in the storyline oh for sure but we could here's the big things um the big takeaways mouse missile rules that's mouse missile mouse missile (laughs) which (laughs) which i'm uh, an advocate for uh humane (laughs) <laughs> of mice and that but yeah you know but i don't know yeah, if they like, choose violence we got to retaliate i'm kidding that's I, not did, I just love to think that like the the grade of the missile that's being used in this thing is able to blow holes through doorways and stuff <laughs> like, it's like yeah, yeah it's is there like, plaster yeah. there that's covering up a doorway let's blow that shit apart it's, it's like you know what like hey you know what i'm an exterminator what 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 is your weapon of choice a shotgun you know, like, oh, there's a spider, boom. Like, you know, like, silverfish, boom. You know, bed bugs, boom. You know, like, I don't know. 
like the degree, the severity of the response does not match like the level of the threat, <laughs> you know? So anyway, so, uh, any other, any other statements about, um, about, uh, the world next door before we get to that twist? Dude, I can't wait for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, twist rating as always is one through five, one being a mile, like we saw from a mile away and five being mind blowing. Um, I'm only going to give the, the twist a two just because like it ended nicely and I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, which I guess is okay, but it didn't really go anywhere. I, I guess three because, you know, Barney, our main character leaves the world that he's in yeah. to go to the next world. I, it, that's probably the biggest uh, twist there. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. All right, so um, that that's going to do it for our discussion about uh, the the world next door. Uh, you guys can find us on uh, social media. We have a Facebook page. It is uh, Strange Highways Podcast. We're always posting like weird images there. I have some. I, I definitely have an image of the mouse missile, so I know you'll be happy about that. Um, like wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us to be greatly appreciated. You can email us directly at invadingpodcast.gmail.com or leave a, leave a comment on our Podbean page. I'll say I have uh, some feedback from our last episode regarding Lost and Found. Are you ready for this? Uh, Let's go. Yeah. So here's my mea culpa. So this person's S. Griska. They left a comment. They're like, as a college sophomore back in 86, I can confirm that typewriters were very much still in use at the time. In fact, I still use my mom's old 60s manual Smith Corona uh, because though electric typewriters did exist, they were expensive. And yeah, PCs did exist, but they were even more expensive out out of my budget. Fair enough. I Well, here's my mea culpa. Uh, Terry, I know I'm a little older than you. When I was in high school, um, I was in high school from 92 to 96. I definitely took a typing class with an electric typewriter. So how dare me, which I was like, that was the like early 90s. How dare me uh, shit over a typewriter being available for college students in 86 whenever I was, it was probably like seven, eight years later, I was taking typing lessons. So um, I do apologize to uh, uh, manual and electric typewriters everywhere. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I know I learned how to type a little bit when I was younger on a typewriter, but yeah, to, to say that they weren't available. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Wrong. No, like I, I, it's not that I forgot about my typing classes, but it was one of those things like, like, cause like the internet really wasn't a thing yet. Like that, that showed up later. Like, like when I was like later in high school going into college, like that started becoming a bigger thing. Um, in terms of like, you know, using like, you know, computers to type or whatever. I only really got a proficiency in typing later because of that versus like typing classes. Cause it was a nightmare. Cause if you screwed up, you had to go backspace, 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 and to put like, like liquid paper or the ribbon, like it was a nightmare. So, yeah. um, but yeah, so may I call, I agree. Typewriters are still a thing. Then I was making a joke. It, it didn't go well. Um, neither did that segment. So <laughs> that's yeah. what I'll say about that. Well, uh, it is difficult to remember exactly what was going on in the uh, the sixties or not. Sorry, well, the eighties. Well, yeah. this, well, uh, the, sometimes we've combated some of this stuff in the early yeah. renditions of the Twilight Zone too. So I'm sorry, uh, the eighties. Um, so it's like, we're trying to pick up the pieces from both of those, uh, yeah, I, I literally made a comment to a friend of mine today that the last time I submitted a resume, it was on a stone slab, like etched with like letters on it. So yeah, it's a living. So anyway, so, um, yeah. so yeah, that, 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 so you, you guys could all, all of you could leave feedback like that. I appreciate that. Thank you for pointing out, uh, the error, uh, of my ways regarding time. Also like 
You didn't comment about time belts. I'm kidding. That's not what I'm not going to get into that. So yeah, uh, please leave more. We love, we love all the feedback and Terry, where can people find us? Otherwise we're on Instagram still folks. Um, it is a, an interesting thing that we are trying to figure out how to use still. Um, as far as like, we are in audible. I mean, is, I mean, Instagram is brand new, right? So nobody's figured it out yet. So, well, no, like as far as the fact that it's like, no one's listening to Instagram or listening, I listening to Instagram. I can hear photos of food and people at beaches. Uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know, but yeah, it's still a tool that we're using. Um, so if you can please share like, and, and of course, like what Paul was saying is like review the podcast and like, we would really, really appreciate if you could go on Spotify because we still haven't hit that threshold where we can have a review. Like, no one has left enough reviews on Spotify for us. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, please leave a review. Bad, good, whatever. It's five stars. It's that's how it's, their grading is. So, yeah. So, all right. Uh, so that's going to do it for us this week. Let's talk about what we're doing next. Oh boy! Next episode of the Twilight Zone is uh, season two, episode five. Uh, Who? The Toys of Caliban. Um, Terry, are you ready to get um, messed up? Uh, this is one of those ones I watched as a kid, and it, it wrecked me. Then I watched as a grown-up, and it wrecked me. So are you ready for this? Like, uh, Well, this is something you've been uh We've, we've talked for, about so. this forever. I thought this was going to come way earlier than this iteration, but yeah, it's coming. And uh, yeah, it's it's a hell of a thing. I will say this. People, the like the less you know the better find this available like because um, everything's on youtube or uh, like was a vimeo or whatever find this episode watch it i don't want to tell i don't want to say a thing if you've not seen it watch it this is the this is one of the the things i was looking forward to talking to you about because it, it still shows that um this iteration of the twilight zone uh it still can just just tear you apart like in the best way possible you know in terms of like it's a dark ride. So that's what I'll say about that. Well, I, I'm excited about that. I guess. Are you excited <laughs> to feel bad? Let's get it. Let's get yeah. ready to feel bad. Or, you know, it's, it's a hell of a thing. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not trying to front load it, but even with that to you, I'm, I'm not doing it justice. So we're going to get into the toys of the Cal toy, the toys of Caliban. Who boy, that's going to yeah, be, I'll, I'll be yeah. edging until then. So, <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Everybody have a good week. Um, I think uh, according to our release schedule, this will come out uh, on Black Friday. This is going to come out after Thanksgiving, I think. Right? I think that's the the, oh, the, 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 the blackest of Fridays. Black yeah, Fridays. so it's going to be like, hey, everybody, while you're out trying to shop and get your deals, just be sad. So, yeah. So that's going to, like I said, the, the, have a good holiday. And then come back for the Toys of Caliban. Right? So, uh, but yeah, in the meantime... Have a good holiday week. Eat a bunch of food and pie and everything else. And I don't know. Um, don't don't be a dick to your partner. Um, if if like if you if you're bad with plants, don't judge them for having a messy basement. And clean up your workspace on your own time. Damn it.
Nobody needs copies, Barney. Now we're at the Xerox. 